Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a board-certified OBGYN and fertility physician and also co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. Each week on this podcast, I discuss health and fertility and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the As a Woman podcast. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and today I'm really excited to talk to you about trying to get pregnant if you're over 40. I know we talk a lot on this channel about natural fertility, and we talk about IVF for fertility treatments, but one thing we don't talk about is what do we do if you're just starting your journey later? Maybe it was planned, maybe it wasn't, and really what is it that I want you to know if you are trying to get pregnant and you're starting this process at a later age, because as a fertility doctor, I honestly do recommend that we do things a little bit different. So we're going to go over just some basic things that I want you to know. And then at the end, I'm going to answer some of your fertility questions. Every week on Instagram on Mondays at Natalie Crawford MD, I put up a question box and I will answer some of those questions on Instagram, some of those questions here on the podcast, and some questions over on the newsletter. Now, if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, you can go to nataliecrawfordmd.com slash newsletter. And I know I talk about it a lot because we put a lot of time into this. The newsletter is something where we talk about my favorites, recipes that are healthy and plant-based. I answer a fertility question in each one. And I also talk about some trending fertility topics in the news. And I just know that you see and you read so much about fertility. And I love when the news picks things up, whether it's social media or mass media or journalism. But a lot of times those people are not experts and sometimes it makes you have more questions rather than fewer. So go ahead and subscribe over to the newsletter. We also have coming up very soon, one of my favorite podcast episodes, which is where I get to answer your fertility questions. These episodes are where you call and leave a voicemail and then I get to answer it. So you can go ahead and call and leave a voicemail at 657-229-3672. Again, that is 657-229-3672. When we talk about trying to conceive at an older age, one thing I just want to say is that everybody's journey is going to be unique and individual. One thing I'm going to talk about is probabilities. This always confuses people or puts people on the defensive. And what I mean is I hear a lot of, well, I know somebody, my best friend, but my mom. And I love it. Those are fantastic stories. And I'm so glad that these people in your life had that experience. But if we're talking about you, in your experience and your family, and we're trying to set things up for success, it is harder to get pregnant the older you are. Period. The end. Did I just say it is impossible to get pregnant? No, of course not. But if you are getting started or you're trying to add another child to your life and you are at an older age, there are things that as a fertility doctor, I would like you to know and think about. And this is why when people ask, when should I see a fertility doctor? and you ask a fertility doctor, here's what we say. You should see a fertility doctor, number one, if you are under age 35 and you've been trying to get pregnant for 12 months. Number two, if you are older than 35 and you've been trying to get pregnant for six months. Or number three, if you're 40 and you're trying to get pregnant. 
See how there was no time period there? Nothing to define that. Just if you're 40 and you're trying or want to be pregnant. Now, of course, some of these categories presume that you do have regular predictable periods, that you don't have other known issues, that your partner has sperm and you're able to have intercourse. And of course, we see people sooner for fertility preservation or for donor sperm or donor eggs or a variety of other things. I also want to say that at most fertility clinics, there's typically an age where the cutoff for autologous conception is, and it's going to be different clinic to clinic. Most clinics here in Austin cut people off at age 42. We at Fora will usually go to 45. Now I say usually because every scenario is again unique. Clinics who have a cutoff that don't necessarily make sense for your circumstance, you might want to get another opinion. And there's definitely clinics that cherry pick their age or your AMH and they won't let somebody cycle because it will hurt their statistics. And statistics are a big thing in the IVF world. We have to report all of our outcomes and the system actually is not made to be in the patient's benefit, meaning clinics are penalized when cycles do not result in a transfer. And if somebody's doing retrievals and you know they're going to need multiple cycles to find that normal embryo, it is hurting your outcomes. That said, is it the right thing to do for the patient who really wants to have their own genetic child and understands, is properly counseled, that it might take more than one retrieval? I think absolutely. Some of these cutoffs are also quite paternalistic, meaning somebody is judging for you that it is not worth the financial investment. Now, there are so many different needs that go into fertility treatments, and I will often counsel patients. Your desires and your wants and your needs are all in contrast because we want to be pregnant now. Maybe we prefer it to be genetically ours. We want it to be easy. We'd like not to have to do IVF. We don't want to spend much money, etc. And sometimes these things are in contrast. What that means is I will sometimes say, hey, using an egg donor based on your circumstance might be a faster and a cheaper and a more successful way. That might be just the case. That may not be only the way. So the distinction, and I think it might take you three to four egg retrieval cycles with your own eggs to find a normal embryo or one round of donor eggs, that's really different in time, physical, emotional, financial investment, but they have very different outcomes potentially. You should be aware of what that is. How many cycles will it take me to get to a normal embryo if that's the road you're going down? And if somebody tells you donor eggs is the only option, why? The typical reasons that are acceptable are you are out of eggs, especially when you have amenorrhea or you are not having periods, your FSH is over 40, regardless of your age. In those circumstances, even when we try whatever we have available to us, it's very hard to get somebody to respond to medications. So if you are in ovarian failure, you cannot use your own eggs. The other is typically older age, after age 45, it is extremely hard to find a genetically normal embryo. The difference in 10% of your embryos being genetically normal and 2% is actually a ton of embryos, right? In one category, I need to make 10 embryos to find a normal one. In the other category, I need to make 50 embryos to find a normal that is very different. And so counseling somebody that they might need to go through a few retrievals because they need to get to 10 embryos to find a normal is really different than trying to get to 50. 
However, some patients with an extremely high ovarian reserve, despite being older, are a unique circumstance or people who've never had intercourse and maybe they're looking to try to conceive with donor sperm. They've never had a partner. There's always circumstances. And so if somebody draws a line, ask why. Maybe it is very appropriate. I have boundaries. We have boundaries. But what I also see is a lot of other people drawing boundaries that are not appropriate and they are to serve the clinic and not the patient and they're paternalistic. And that really bothers me. Okay. We're going to dive in to what I want you to know if you are trying to get pregnant at an older age. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited that summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. Can women get pregnant at age 40 and more? Absolutely. They definitely can. Do you have a lower chance of getting pregnant per month? Also, yes. I think it's very important in this circumstance to realize that your time is your most valuable commodity and you want to be educated so that you are using your time wisely. The chromosomes inside a normal egg are 46XX. Inside the egg, I want you to imagine that the chromosomes are lined up in the middle and held apart by these little meiotic spindles of proteins. When you ovulate, part of the job is to separate these chromosomes apart. Half of them go into a polar body, which is considered trash, and half of them are in the oocyte or the egg that can be fertilized. This is the half of the genetics that's coming from the maternal side. However, 
As we get older, these chromosomes start to split abnormally at an increased prevalence. This is largely because the proteins of those semiotic spindles start breaking down. Our eggs take on the wear and tear of our life. And over time, things are just going to disintegrate. And there's very little you can do about it, although there is some and we will review that at the end. So the first thing we want to know is just in a natural fertility cohort, what happens when women who are older start trying to conceive? There was a fabulous study done by one of my fellowship mentors, and I did a ton of research in this cohort. The cohort was called Time to Conceive. It was a large population-based cohort in North Carolina. And this study is called The Impact of Female Age and Null Gravity on Fecundity in an Older Reproductive Age Cohort. This cohort followed people who'd been trying to get pregnant for less than or equal to three months and watched their cycle pattern history, tracking ovulation, and just reported a pregnancy. There was no intervention beyond just cycle tracking. Everybody in the study was age 30 and older. So the comparison group is people who were in their early 30s, not people who are younger than 30. There were 960 people who were in this study with over 3,593 cycles for evaluation. For women who were under 38, the average time to pregnancy was three months. For people who were 40 to 41, the average time to pregnancy was eight months. And for people who were 42 and older, the average time to pregnancy was greater than 12 months. Compared to the reference group who was under age 34, women who were 40 to 41 had a 53% reduction in chance of pregnancy per month. And women who were 42 to 44 had a 59% reduction per month. When we broke this down in a little bit different way to look at it, what was your chance of getting pregnant in one month? What was your chance per month overall? And what percentage of people got pregnant? In the age group 40 to 41, 6.2% of people got pregnant in the first cycle trying. After 12 cycles, 54% of the age group was pregnant, with a monthly chance of being pregnant of 8.6%. However, in the age group of 42 to 44, what we saw is that no people got pregnant in the first cycle. Overall, though, at 12 months, 48% were pregnant, and the average chance per pregnancy was 6.6 per month. Can people 40 and older get pregnant? Absolutely. In this study, almost 50% of people who were trying to get pregnant did get pregnant. And this is of people who just first started trying to get pregnant, trying for approximately a year. Now, if you compare that to the younger age groups in the same study, people who were 35 and younger, 80 to 90% of them were pregnant at a year. So you can see there's a much higher chance of infertility as you got older. However, where this data becomes really important is stratifying by people who've been pregnant in the past versus people who've never been pregnant. So people who had never been pregnant, who are 40 to 41, had a 2.9% chance of pregnancy per month and an overall cumulative chance of pregnancy by the end of 12 months of 25%. If you compare that exact same group, so age 40 to 41, who'd had history of a prior pregnancy, their chance of being pregnant per month was 9.8%, and their overall cumulative chance of being pregnant was 56% by the end of 12 months. So there's a huge difference in the people who've never had a pregnancy before. And so this should be number one. The first thing that you're looking at if you're starting to try to get pregnant at age 40 is have you achieved success in the past? Are you trying to add to your family? Or is this your first attempt at having a family? Does it the fact that this change that we're seeing is due to abnormal chromosome number? There was a great study published in Fertility and Sterility also that is effects of maternal age on nuclear rates in large cohort of embryos analyzed with 24 chromosomes, single nucleotide polymorphism-based pre-implantation genetic screening. 
Essentially, in this study, what they did is they did PGS or screening of embryos prior to implantation to look at the percentage that was euploid across different ages. But there was a steady decrease in the percentage of euploid embryos after age 35. And at age 40, the approximation of normal embryos is around 25 to 30%, dropping significantly as you get older than that to be around 10% at age 44 to 45. Okay, so this data is scary. And as somebody who is in this age range, it is actually scary. This is what advanced maternal age is. So being age 35 and older is considered advanced maternal age solely because you have an increased prevalence of chromosome abnormality. This previously, before we could test embryos or do any of this stuff, this would be detected when your prenatal screening once you were pregnant. Screening tests for Down syndrome, trisomies 13 and 18, those are some of the more common chromosome abnormalities that can be detected in babies. Now, a lot of these chromosome abnormalities do not fertilize, implant, and that's why we're seeing lower pregnancy rates in this group, right? If all of these chromosome abnormalities led to becoming babies, we would see this consistent pregnancy rate. We would just see a huge drop off afterwards. So the fact that we're seeing a lower chance of pregnancy overall is telling us that this is the number one reason why. So what are you going to do with this information? Number one, you're going to expedite a workup. Number two, you're going to do everything you can to impact your egg quality the best possible. And number three, you're going to make most of your months trying to conceive. I always tell my patients who are older that there's no reason for us to suddenly just start seeing what happens. You know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We need to take a more proactive approach so that we can have the family that we want to have. Number one, your history. If you've ever been pregnant in the past, you overall have a higher chance of getting pregnant right now. So that should be a reassuring sign. If you have never been pregnant, you need to be paying close attention to your cycles and get an evaluation sooner. Honestly, I tell everybody, if you're 40 and you're starting your family, I would love to see you at the very beginning. Do a basic fertility evaluation. If it's all normal, we might choose to let you go try to get pregnant naturally for a period of time. However, if it's abnormal, then you have not wasted your time because the sooner we get moving on treatments, the higher chance of success we're going to have. So what do I mean by that? Number one, is your period pattern regular? Are your periods coming at regular predictable intervals? If they are, great. If they are not, go see a reproductive endocrinologist for the beginning. We want to check to see, are your fallopian tubes open? Do you have any history of prior abdominal surgery, history of infections like gonorrhea or chlamydia, history of endometriosis or suspicion of that? In those circumstances, there's a higher pretest probability that you might have a blocked fallopian tube. Either way, you need to have open tubes and a normal uterus. Any history of uterine fibroids or polyps, intrauterine surgery or medical terminations or those are other reasons why we would want to look inside the uterus. So anatomy, looking at the inside of the uterus and the fallopian tubes, this can usually either be done with an HSG test, which is a hysterosalpingogram, a dye test where you put dye into the uterus, look at the uterus and the fallopian tubes, a test called a FemView, also known as the bubble test. It's a combination of a saline ultrasound and then pushing air and water bubbles through the fallopian tubes or even going to surgery with a laparoscopy and hysteroscopy, camera in the belly button and camera in the uterus. It's obviously a much more invasive approach and not currently recommended for diagnostic testing anymore. The next thing is a semen analysis. So checking sperm. If you've got a partner with sperm, we want to make sure there's good volume of the sample, the concentration is normal, the sperm is moving well, and of normal shapes. Abnormalities in these parameters can impact our pregnancy rates. So if somebody who is older comes to me, that's the basic fertility testing, getting a good period tracking history, checking anatomy, 
checking sperm counts. The other factor that we like to consider is checking your ovarian reserve. Please note, I'm only talking about your reproductive chances per month. I didn't mention one time running out of eggs. Everybody does run out of eggs. And my favorite analogy is to imagine that you have a vault inside your ovary and that's where all your eggs are kept. When you're born, the vault is full and throughout your life, eggs come out of the vault. And when the vault is empty, you're in menopause. The number of eggs decrease in the vault over time. And when the vault is less full, fewer eggs come out. When the vault is more full, more eggs come out. On a month-to-month basis, when you're trying naturally, that doesn't matter because the number of eggs outside the vault is only important in understanding our timeline or if we're doing IVF. The number of eggs outside the vault is just how many die. So if you have 12 eggs outside the vault or four, in both circumstances, the body's going to want one egg to ovulate. The difference is, are you having 11 eggs or three that are dying off that month? AMH is a blood test. Essentially, it's a hormone that is made from the cells surrounding all of the eggs that are outside the vault. So when you have more eggs in the vault, more come out, higher AMH. Fewer eggs in the vault, fewer come out, lower AMH. Lower AMH values are not reflective of abnormal fecundability or chance of getting pregnant naturally. However, it's putting a fire under our feet because we have less time to achieve our goals. If we want to have more than one kid, super important now because we need to be pregnant in the future and is changing our IVF outcomes on a cycle basis, meaning those with a lower AMH often will need more cycles to get to the same outcome as somebody who has a higher AMH. Therefore, you want to get started on those cycles faster before your AMH is even lower because those eggs outside the vault, the eggs that you can get in an IVF cycle. So one person can get 12 eggs in one cycle, one person could get four. They could have the same outcome, but this person needs to get four eggs from one month, four eggs from the next month, four eggs from the third month in order to have the same egg number as a peer. So this is part of understanding the strategy and the urgency for the timeline. So that is going to be ovarian reserve. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No my shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. One of the biggest advantages to considering IVF in a patient group that is older is that you can test the chromosomes of the embryos before you implant them inside and you can get a higher live birth rate per transfer than if you don't. So when you look at IVF statistics, you have to understand is that a euploid or a genetically normal embryo that underwent genetic testing 
Or is this an embryo that hasn't had genetic testing? When you transfer a euploid embryo, you have the same chance of pregnancy, which is about 65 to 70% chance of live birth, versus if you're looking at just IVF outcomes overall using untested embryos. So one of the advantages in an older group of going to IVF is you can get a higher efficiency to pregnancy and get pregnant faster because we're ruling out the number one thing that's sitting your way. Also, if you're 40 or older and you're just starting your family because you met your person later or you were chasing some amazing career dreams, that's great too. But we can give you the highest chance of having the family of your dreams by doing what we call embryo banking. Embryo banking means that you purposely get embryos to save for a future pregnancy. Typically in the math equation, we like to have two embryos in the bank for a future pregnancy. So if you told me you wanted two kids and you were 41, I'd want to make sure we have at least four embryos before we start transferring. So you might go through multiple months of cycles, getting eggs from one month and then the next in order to get to that goal so that we don't see that drop in pregnancy as time goes on or the fact that it might take you a year to get pregnant naturally and only 25 to 50% of patients in that age range will actually achieve a pregnancy in that timeline. What have you lost in that time? And at what point are you no longer going to be able to get pregnant because all your eggs or the vast majority are genetically abnormal? All of that said, let's pretend we check everything, everything comes out okay, you want to try to get pregnant naturally. We want to be as efficient as possible in getting pregnant. So tracking your cycles is going to be key. Studies have shown looking at tracking your cycles, whether you use the calendar method, whether you use basal body temperature, cervical mucus monitoring, or ovulation predictor kits, they were all better than nothing. So using one of these methods of fertility awareness and cycle tracking was excellent. I personally like OPKs a lot because I think they're pretty straightforward. They are measuring LH, which is a hormone secreted from the brain that triggers the body to ovulate. Some keys in using OPKs is you typically want to start them around five or six days before you anticipate ovulating. So for most people in an average cycle length, this is going to be around cycle day nine. I recommend using an ovulation predictor kit one time per day in the middle of the day, sometime between 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So don't listen to what the box says. This is because we're checking luteinizing hormone in the urine. It's secreted from the brain in the early morning. It's got to get through your kidneys and be in your urine so we can check it. The day you get a positive is the day before you ovulate. So you'd like to have intercourse on that day and the next. Don't keep checking LBKs afterward because LH then fluctuates throughout the entire luteal phase as it stimulates the corpus luteum to make progesterone in pulsatile fashion. And so it'll drive you bonkers. Save your money in case you're not pregnant and use those OBKs in the next month. We also want to set you up for success. So everything you can do to optimize your natural fertility is going to be the best. So you want to track your cycles. You want to time your intercourse. You want to avoid lubrication if possible. If needed, then fertility-based lubricants like pre-seed or water-based are going to be preferable. You want to decrease stress. I know that's easier said than done. We've got to think about the whole body and lifestyle factors. Take care of yourself. I want you to be taking a prenatal vitamin with at least 400 micrograms of folic acid for three months before you want to start trying to get pregnant. I'm recommending that my patients who are older also take an extra vitamin D supplement of around 2,000 IUs a day. I check vitamin D levels, so some people need a little bit more, so ask your doctor. I also like coenzyme Q10. CoQ10 
has been shown in some studies to increase the stability inside the oocytes. The dose of CoQ10 that I like is 200 milligrams three times a day. That way we can support those eggs with everything we need. And I also recommend fatty acids. So omega-3 fatty acids, those beneficial fatty acids, really important in cell division and creation. Those may be in your prenatal or you may need to take a separate pill depending on your prenatal brand. I get asked all the time, which prenatal? The one that you take is going to be the best. So what I say is look at those things I just said. If you can find one that has those things in them, fantastic. If not, you can piece it together. But there's not one prenatal that's truly better than the other ones. Find one you can tolerate that doesn't make you too nauseous and that you can reliably stick to and take, which is the most important thing. Optimizing your diet and your overall health is going to be really important. So take this on seriously. You want to avoid toxins in your life. I recommend you stop smoking. Cigarettes and marijuana, both male and female, can impact sperm and egg health and quality. Look at environmental toxins like BPA and other factors, reduce those from your environment. Have a diet that's full of fertility-friendly foods like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, healthy fats, and you want to limit out processed foods, sugars, red meat. Exercise is going to be good for you, so make sure you're getting out and you're moving your body. It's a great way for stress relief. If you're undergoing fertility treatments, ask your doctor specifics about vitamin supplements or exercise restrictions, because depending on what you're doing, your doctor may say something different. The take-home message I hope you hear is that women over 40 can absolutely get pregnant, but time is of the essence. The last thing I want you to do is waste a month of your life trying to get pregnant while your egg quality is decreasing over time. We also know that the miscarriage rate increases as you get older for the same reason, these chromosome abnormalities. So if you're getting pregnant but you're miscarrying, please go see your doctor. We recommend evaluation after two losses. Although age is the number one cause for those of us who are older, there also can be other causes of recurrent pregnancy loss, such as inherited chromosome abnormalities, autoimmune thyroid disease, diabetes, clotting disorders, and anatomical factors. So if you're suffering from pregnancy losses, please go seek help. I hope you understand that your reproductive community of REIs, we're here for you. If you are starting your family at an older age, I want what's best for you. The number one thing is to understand your goal. What is your goal? What is your goal now? And in the future, what does your whole family look like? Find an REI who you can trust and be honest with and go get an evaluation early. The last thing you want to feel like is looking in the rearview mirror and wishing you hadn't wasted time or that you made a different choice. If you know the information, you can make an educated decision. But can you get pregnant over 40? Absolutely. Might you need help? Potentially. But I don't want you to feel like all hope is lost, which I see so often from so many people. All right, friends. Well, I hope you found some of this information helpful for either you or other people in your world. As always, that's the entire point of this podcast, just to help you learn more about your body or to understand what other people are going through. And at the end of the day, you deserve to know how your body works and why doctors or people might tell you certain things. Now we are going to jump in to For Fertility's Sake. This is one of my favorite parts. This is the Q&A every single week. You can ask your questions on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD every Monday. You can call in and leave a voicemail, 657-229-3672. And you can also sign up to the newsletter, nataliecrawfordmd.com slash newsletter. And some of these questions are also answered there. How long do I wait to get pregnant? for my FET after uterine septum operative hysteroscopy? This is a good question. So a uterine septum is a midline connective tissue between the two halves of your uterus. 
This is a birth defect because the septum is an embryological remnant. The uterus forms in two pieces, fuses together, and the septum is supposed to reabsorb. When that septum does not reabsorb, that is what a uterine septum is. It is avascular and can be associated with recurrent miscarriages. Removal is pretty straightforward. Hysteroscopy is putting a camera into the uterus, and you can use scissors and cut the septum out. How long do you have to wait really does depend on how big it was and the complexity of the surgery or how probable we think it is that you might get scar tissue. Somebody who has a very small septum, I might cut. I like to do my surgeries when people are on birth control pills for most people. And that's just because it keeps the uterine lining really thin and then I can see better. In somebody who is straightforward, I will then go ahead and make a calendar and plan the transfer process. So that transfer could be a few weeks after. In most cases, I am rather on the aggressive side for scar prevention and how I was trained. That means I leave a balloon inside the uterus for a week. We give estrogen and antibiotics. We take it out. You have a period. And then we repeat imaging with a saline sonogram to make sure everything has healed. That process takes an entire month. Then you can start the embryo transfer process. So that would be about two months from the surgery date. When do you graduate patients when they become pregnant? Every fertility clinic does a little bit different. Graduation is officially when you move on from your fertility clinic to your OBGYN because fertility doctors do not deliver babies. We are a subspecialty. We were trained to deliver babies, did four years of OBGYN, and then did a subspecialty three years of REI. And now we just do infertility and hormones, endocrinology. So when you get pregnant, which for most people is at least after the stage of a heartbeat and seeing good growth. For us, what we tend to do is a six-week and an eight-week ultrasound. Then we help you know how to come off your medication and you'll go see your OB at the normal time for that first OB visit, which is typically between nine to 12 weeks. Some clinics will see you longer. Some clinics will see you less. There's no right or wrong, although I do think some clinics see people more than they need to to make more money off of them. But that being said, when you're pregnant, seeing your baby more doesn't feel like a bad thing and probably can be worth the money. But ultimately, it's good to just know. You hate to be surprised. So always ask your clinic, when do you graduate? Once you're pregnant, what does that look like? Often, these OB scans are not covered by insurance. Your insurance typically will cover one ultrasound to confirm the pregnancy in that first trimester. So if you are coming in for an ultrasound every single week, you are going to be paying more. And again, some places know that and will do five to six ultrasounds and make more money off of you. It's a little more than necessary. I am taking inositol, CoQ10, and omega-3 fatty acids to help my egg quality. I have PCOS. Do I stop these if I get pregnant? This is a really good question. Number one, always ask your doctor what they recommend. What do I recommend? I have my patients continue when they're pregnant. Omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D, and a prenatal vitamin. I typically have them stop any other supplements. Now, medications are separate if you're on thyroid meds or you're on medication for diabetes. That's different. But when it comes to supplements, is there an easy way to know you're fertile before trying? No. The answer is no. 
even all of the tests that I rattled through, checking ovarian reserve and do you ovulate in your fallopian tubes and a semen analysis, all of those can be normal and you can still have infertility. That's what unexplained infertility is. No test will tell us if you are fertile or able to have a baby or get pregnant. Now, there are clues that you may have an increased chance of infertility, like having irregular periods or extremely painful periods or having a change in your period pattern or having a history of a bad abdominal infection. So there's clues that things may be wrong, but there's no single test that we can do that can make me tell you, yes, you're fertile, don't worry about it. I wish that was the case that would make my job, your planning so much easier. Can you freeze eggs if you don't ovulate? I love this question. If you think back to when we were talking about ovarian reserve, every month I like to think about the ovary releasing a group of eggs. One of these eggs is going to ovulate and the rest are going to die in a normal month. If no eggs get stimulated to grow and you don't ovulate, maybe you have PCOS, maybe you have hypothalamic amenorrhea, maybe you're taking the birth control pill, All of the eggs for that month just die, and the next month another group is released. You are not changing the decline of your ovarian function or the number of eggs you have in any way. So as long as you still have eggs, absolutely, we can give you medication to stimulate them to grow even if you don't naturally ovulate. The only exception is if you do not ovulate because you are out of eggs because you are an ovarian failure, then we cannot get them to grow, no matter what medications I give you, the ovary is out. This is typically when people do not have periods, but they also have associated signs of low estrogen, hot flashes, vaginal dryness and pain, insomnia, fatigue, sometimes headaches. But if you don't have periods, one of the things we're looking for is, are you just not ovulating or are you out of eggs or is something going on in your uterus? One of these things is happening. So if you're out of eggs, then no, we can't get them to grow to freeze. But if you have eggs, you're just not ovulating, we can still go through the process and freeze them. And that might be something really nice because if you're not ovulating, you might have a difficult time getting pregnant. So freezing eggs could be a good idea. All right, friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you learned a little bit about your body. As always, you can ask your questions for fertility's sake on Mondays on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD. Sign up for the newsletter at nataliecrawfordmd.com slash newsletter, or go ahead and call and leave a voicemail for your question, 657-229-3672. Thank you all for listening to As a Woman. It would mean so much if you could rate, review, and follow the podcast to be notified of new episodes every Sunday. I hope you learned something new, and I hope you share it with someone in your life. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD, and check out the YouTube channel Natalie Crawford MD. If you're interested in becoming a patient, you can also follow Fora Fertility. I'm so thrilled to have you here, part of the community that amplifies others as a woman.